I'm afraid if, if I will put up on the Chabad at all, nobody will show up. No, we fans have a lot of show up. You know, we have bigger lives than they had at the polls today. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, sure. We have on page one or three. Excuse me, Rabbi. Can I show uh, a question? Uh, a portion or two ago, when uh, Abraham and Watt parted company, is there a lesson from that that sometimes for families stay along and just have to be apart? What happened? You really lost me now? No, no, no. Thanksgiving's coming up. Yes. It's a good lesson. Yes, yes. Peace, you know, good friends make good neighbors. Abraham told Lot, what happened? The people of Lot, the shepherds of Lot, and the shepherds of Abraham were fighting. So the shepherds of Lot used to go take the sheep to places, to lands, pieces of land that didn't belong to them. And the shepherd of Abraham told them, what, what's going on here? And that's what created rifts between the two sides. And Abraham, Abraham initiated it. Abraham told him, Lord, it's not working out. You go this direction. Go wherever you go, you go the other direction. Abraham initiated the separation because that's a big piece. Very good point, yes. Sometimes with families, it's you have Thanksgiving here, we will have Thanksgiving here. And then everybody is happy. You sit on this side of the table, you sit on this side of the table. Or if they come together and they fight the whole night. That's why it's better not to fight. Exactly. It's the opposite of Naomi and Ruth. Whether you go, I shall go. Oh, that's an interesting thought. <laughs> Page one or three, the story that we're going to learn today in this Pasha is about the Shidduch of Isaac and Rebecca. We will start to learn on page 103, number one. We'll start to learn a little bit from inside, and then we'll discuss it. You want to, Mark, if you're standing already, you close the door? Can you stand? Go ahead. Abraham was old, well advanced in years, and God had blessed Abraham with everything. He said to the senior servant of his household, who was in charge of all that he owned, Place your hand under my thigh, I will bind you by an oath to God, Lord of heaven and earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I live. Instead, you must go to my native land, to my birthplace, and obtain a wife for my son Isaac. Here starts the old fight for intermarriage, right here. He told them, he told them, uh, place my hand under my, uh, under, uh, place your hand under, under my thigh. Why? He wanted them to hold his circumcision. Even though it's not such a nice thing to do. Not uh, the most, today you can go to jail for such a thing. <laughs> but we need to understand something very important. Even though that's not what I really want to speak about, but it's something very important. A mitzvah, the power to sanctify the physical world, is only to Jewish people. For example, what's a mezuzah? Taking a piece of parchment, with basically paper, the moment we run the write the it becomes a holy object. We're not allowed to throw it away, you have to kiss it, you have to respect it. How it became holy? Who made it holy? The Jew has the power to take a physical thing and to sanctify it. Who gave him this power? God. We're at Mount Sinai. 
God came down to Mount Sinai and connected heaven and earth. Before Mount Sinai was a separation. Separation between spirituality and the physical thing. There are physical things, there are spiritual things. You cannot connect these two. God empowered the Jewish people to sanctify physical things. Give an example. There is a story about a Jew in Bnei Brak who was sick. And he asked the Rebbe for a blessing. The Rebbe told him, check your mezuzahs. Check your film. He checks one. He says, it's kosher. The Rebbe writes again, check your film. Check your Finally, they started to figure out what's going on. They went to the, they discovered that the scribe who wrote the film, a religious Jew in They finally got to the bottom of it. His mother was not Jewish. Her father, the two, all, they were Holocaust survivors. The mother saved the father from the Holocaust. They came from Europe together. She spoke English. They went to Tzitzacheda. They never told her anything. What happened? He was a scribe. He was a religious Jew in Yeshiva. A man with a beard. Riding mezuzahs and Torahs, but he was not Jewish. Then he did not have the power to sanctify the physical thing. God empowered the Jews to, to sanctify the physical thing. The moment he converted, now he can write the same mezuzah that he wrote before, now it's holy. The mitzvah of Brit Milah, there is another question. But the mitzvah of Brit Milah was a mitzvah that God told Abraham to do. The moment that God told him to do, that was the only object that was considered holy at that time. Today, today I mean, after Mount Sinai, when a Jew in the Beidin wants to take an oath, he will take a Torah, he holds in his hand. It's a holy object. Like, it, even today in court, they say, put your hand on the Bible. It's coming from Judaism. Put your, you hold the Torah and take an oath. It's in Jewish law. Because the Torah is a holy object. At that time, it was no Torah. It was no other holy object. The only, only, only mitzvah that he was commanded by God was the mitzvah of Greece. That's why he told him, put your hand under the time. That explains another thing. We read in the Bible, in next week's parasha, oh, then Abraham observed all the mitzvahs. He spoke about that, how he milk and meat and all of this. If he observed all the mitzvahs, because naturally he knew what God wants from him. He had the three, as the, as the way that the Medrash puts it, Abraham is kishkes, told them what, what, what God wants from him. Naturally, he had a feeling what God wants from him. Why did he make a breeze before that? Because he wanted it should be a commandment from God. And only then, it's really a mitzvah. He really can sanctify the physical thing. Anything that you do on your own, it's a nice thing, but it doesn't make. If Abraham would write a mezuzah, it wouldn't become all. Even Abraham. Because God never told him to write a mezuzah. The only mitzvah that God ordered them to do and empowered them to sanctify it was the bricks. That's why he told them, put your hand down for your time. And he told them what? I want you to go and take for me gold for my family. Not from the Canaan. Why not? He was, it wasn't Jewish people then. Where was Abraham? Who was his descendants? Shem. Shame. Canaanite was the son of Ham. Was Canaanite, what happened to, to Canaan? He was cursed by, by Noah. Canaan told Ham that his father, his grandfather is naked, right? And then because of that, when Ham and Noah woke up and he saw what happened, he cursed Canaan. That it was, that was the, the people, the, the dynasty of more cursed by Noah, and the shame, the Shemite, 
or the dynasty of the blessed one. Anti-Shemite, anti-Shemite, or the Shemites, or the people from shame. Did you have the same problem though, when he married Canaanite? You mean? They're all right before the... You mean the, the Abdullami, the, the God, that's written she was the daughter of shame? So not a Canaanite? No. Ish the daughter-in-law of a... He had a connection to Canaanite, but she was not a Canaanite. According to the Talmud and the Medrash and Rashi, it was the daughter of shame. The disconnection with uh, Semites uh, and the Semites? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Then, he, she, he wanted somebody from the house of shame. Why he to make him swear? Because Eliezer had a daughter. And Eliezer was the closest disciple of Abraham. He was the chief of staff. Wasn't like Luke? What's the name of the chief of staff of Obama now? He's a Jewish guy. Yeah, you saw him. Oh, she was, she saw Then, what I mean to say is, that he was the most, the most domestic Eliezer, the way the Talmud learns that he was the person that he knew all the Torah of Abraham and he spread it. That he wanted to marry his daughter of the rabbi, with his rabbi's son. He told him, you're from a different dynasty. I want you to call all the Quran. My family are not nice people necessarily, but they are the right genes, so to speak. I'll convert, I'll convert a later to believe in God. They want you to go to all the way to Quran and find a girl for my son Isaac. Now, let's continue. But, but what if the girl does not want to come back with me this way? Asked the servant. Shall I bring your son back to the land you left? Be most careful in this respect, replied Abraham. Not bring my son back there. God, Lord. He told them, do not bring my son back. And then he come to continue. God, Lord of heaven. God, the Lord of heaven, took me away from my father's house and the land of my birth. He spoke to me and made an oath. To your offspring, I will give this land. Speaking of which, when he says offspring in Zerah, which Zerah is he talking about there? Because he's only talking about through Isaac. He's not Isaac, about, that's what he's talking about. He's not talking he, about because Rishmael. Ishmael is not considered a Zerah, the offspring. He's considered like an outsider. In the Parsha, though, they, they called him a Zerah, though. Ishmael is called Zerah? Yeah. Yeah, Kizaracho, but later. But I see it, it's on page 93, number 14. But what, but what uh, Sarah said, Sarah said in number 10, because he will not inherit it together with my son Isaac. And God agreed with Sarah. So it's only certain Sarah are certainly exactly. inherited. Not, 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 not the real thing, basically. In any case, go ahead, continue. Uh, he will send his angel before you, and you will indeed find a wife there for my son. If the girl does not want to come back with you, then you should be absolved of my oath. But no matter what, do not bring my son back there. The only one from the three forefathers who never left Israel is Isaac. Abraham left Israel, right? Jacob left Israel. Isaac never left Israel. God told him because it was considered like a holy sacrifice. But there, are, there is a concept until today. There are Jews 
who pride themselves for not never leaving Israel. They were, they were always in Israel. There is Jews who sacrificed a lot, family events, trips, business opportunities, just not to leave Israel. And really, by Jewish law, it's a problem to leave the land of Israel. If you live in Israel, you need to have a very good reason that should allow you to leave the land, holy land. For example, there are three reasons. Or you go out to get married, you're looking for a shidduch, you cannot find in Israel. Israel is too small on you. You're allowed to go outside of Israel to, to get married. The second reason is you need to make a living, and for some reason you cannot find a job, you cannot make a living. By the way, that's the, one of the biggest causes over the years for Jew, Jewish people living in Israel, because it's not the security reason. The real reason is when they couldn't make a living. The security was a secondary thing. And number three is if you learn, want to learn Torah, there's a certain rabbi that you cannot find in Israel, you want to learn Torah from him. That are the three reasons you're allowed to leave Israel. And the rabbi is to say, people ask the rabbi, uh, government leaders from Israel, why he doesn't come to Israel? He says, I know how to get there, but I cannot find a way to get out of there. Because the moment you're there, what is he going to say? He has to get married. He has to learn Torah from a greater rabbi. He needs to make a living. Then that's what well, that's what happened with Isaac. I had all three reasons. I came to learn Torah by the rabbi. Then I got married. Then I found the job. <laughs> 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 then that's that he told them you can, don't bring him back. You can bring the girl here, fine. You can't, don't, but don't bring him back. Don't take him back to Haran. Isaac. Is there some significance to the fact that you know the patriarchs tend to be symbolic of what happens later to the Jewish people? And we mm -hmm. know that there were exiles, you know, two exiles in particular. Uh, is this a statement that there will be some Jews that always remain in Israel? That's a nice thought, I must tell you. Than to say that like Isaac was always in Israel. So, but you think that I look on the other side, look Abraham and Jacob accomplished. Abraham spread the believing God. Jacob went out from Israel, and where he start to flourish? Where he had eleven children in Haran. Where the Jewish people start to flourish in Egypt. What well, Isaac? Isaac accomplished. You don't you don't read much about Isaac. He was digging wells, and Kabbalah explains that he was. That the wealth means it was it was they were to dig into the Jewish soul and so on. But there is not who accomplished. Where Judaism flourished throughout history. In in diaspora. Where was the country? Where the Jews became did so much better. Throughout history, you look the, the years they were in the land of Israel, the land, the years they were outside of Israel, the Jews that were in Israel. Greatness of the Jewish people was much more in the diaspora than in Israel. Throughout history. You've got Abraham symbolizing the whole Egyptian exodus. You've got Jacob symbolizing the whole Babylonian exile. Uh, but there still were Jews who, who remained. There were always Jews in Israel. Not too many, but always. There was a time of the Nachmanides. There were two painters in Jerusalem. He said he came to Jerusalem. It was about seven, 800 years ago. He came to Jerusalem. He came from Spain to Israel. He visited Jerusalem with two painters in the city. That's it, nobody else. Is it the symbolism, though, that, that you know, Isaac, always Isaac Jewish people in Israel. The legal claim to that's, a, that's a very it's a very nice thought, I must tell you. I mean, Abraham, with this idea of the two exiles. Good thinking, Mr. Put it in your notes of your book. The new book that comes out. No, it's good thinking, really. The servant plays his end. Let's continue. Number nine. 
His servant placed his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and he took an oath regarding this. The servant then took ten of his master's camels, bringing along the best things his master owned. He set off and went to Aaron Naharayim, to the city of Nahar. Mm -hmm. All right, continue. When he arrived, he let the camels rest on their knees outside the city, besides the well. It was in the evening when women go out to draw water. He prayed, O God, Lord of my master Abraham, be with me today and grant a favor to my master Abraham. I am standing here by the well, and the daughters of the townsmen are coming out to draw water. If I say to a girl, tip over your jug and let me have a drink, and she replies, drink, and I will also water your camels, she will be the one whom you have designated for your servant Isaac. If there is such a girl, I will know that you have granted a favor for my master. Okay, that sounds so great, right? So beautiful, so many people. If somebody will offer water to the camels, she's like a... a Animal lover, like from FEMA, what is called the Pita, I mean, <laughs> all the people, a uh, uh, camel girl, she will give her own water to the. That's very nice. What Ivan told him to look for? Ivan told him to look for a girl who loves camels. Akan <laughs> told him to look for a girl from his family, right? And what kind of a sign is this? And let's say. His prayers are being answered, and a very nice girl comes out, and she offers water to the camels, and she's actually a Canaanite. I don't know what. Yellow, green, okay, I don't know what. Not from the family of shame. Then what? He took a huge risk. There is a story in the Bible, we spoke about it last year, of somebody who did the same chokhmah and it didn't work out for him. You remember the story with Jephthah? Iftah? It's after a... Uh, and um, yeah, on page 1201, he will not read the old of Torah. He was a warrior and he came and he said, he turned to God, he says, God, if you would help me, on page 12 of 1207, it's actually this, this part, on number 29. Then God's spirit came upon Ifham, and he passed through Gilead and Manasseh. Skip the names. Number Terry, Iftah vowed a vow to God and said, If you deliver the Ammonite into my hand, whatever comes out of the door of my house to meet me, when I return in peace from the Ammonite, shall be God, and I will offer it for a burnt offering. Right. Nice, huh? And what came out? His daughter. His daughter. And the, and the manager points out that four people asked the wrong way for some God accommodated, three, three God accommodated, and, and Niftar is the example of none. Then first of all, um, Eliezer didn't do the right thing. He was asking, oh, the girl will ask, that was, but still God cooperated. It's an interesting thing. If it wasn't the right, the right way to find the goal, you don't go out on the street and say, the goal that will give me will offer me a free lunch, she is the right person for my son. It doesn't work like this. Who is she? Where is she coming? Wasn't it his test to know that she was from the right family? Because only that family would... 
And what if, it, what if it's another nice person on the street or can never can never be such a thing? And Abraham didn't tell them who the person who is nice. Abraham told them I need something from family. I don't mind an obnoxious girl as long as she's on the family. <laughs> and he wants a he wants a nice person. It's nice to have a nice person, but if it's working, if it's the right person. Okay, we we'll continue on number 15. Um, Mr. Martin. Yeah. He had not yet finished his war, mm -hmm. speaking. He had not yet finished speaking when Rebecca appeared. She had been born to Betuel, the son of Nephah, the son of Abraham's brother Nephah. Her jug was on her shoulder. The girl was extremely good looking and was a virgin untouched by anyone. The girl went down, filled her jug, and then came up again. The servant ran to her. If you would, let me sip a little water from your jug, he said. Drink, sir, she replied. She quickly lowered her jug to her hand and gave him a drink. When he had finished drinking, she said, let me draw water for your camels so that they can also drink their fill. She quickly emptied her jug into the trough and ran to the well again to draw water. She drew water for his camp, for all his camels. Right away, his prayer was answered. Right away. She offered Aniron water for the camels. Continue. The man. the man stood there gaping at her, but he remained silent, waiting to determine for certain whether or not God had made his journey successful. When the camels had finished drinking, he took a gold ring, weighing half a shekel, and two gold bracelets, weighing ten gold shekels for her arms. Whose daughter are you, he asked. If you would tell me, if you would tell me, if there is a place in your father's house for us to spend the night. Is anything strange in this last paragraph? Well, yeah. I mean, like you said, the, the instructions really are being. No, but in this last, in the number twenty-two, what happened? What did he? It's really the pair. He's giving her presents. He's not even sure she's in the family. Yeah. It doesn't. Before he asked her, was she? First, he gives her the present. They ask, oh, by the way, what's your name? Maybe she's the wrong person. It was so strange that when he later told the story to the family, on pa next page, uh, he tells the story, what happened, a number of uh, 45, look at number 45, I had not yet finished speaking. Why well, was so sure that Hashem helped him, right? Medrash points out, there are three people in the Bible that we, when they prayed, their prayers were answered right away. Eliezer. The next person is... No. No, Mr. Martelou also, his prayers were answered right away. Right? Uh, yeah. Not right away. Not right away. Talking about right away. In the story of Korah, Moses said, if, I, if these people die normally, then I'm not a messenger of God. But if these people, open to page 747, if these people, if the earth will open the, the, the earth and swallow up these people, you'll know that I'm speaking in the name of God. And as he said, on page 747, not at the top of the page, number 31, what do we? Moses had been finished speaking when the ground under uh, the sun and uh, 
of Korach. As he, he hardly finished speaking, the same word, the same story like Beliezer. Right away, he was hardly finished speaking. And the earth opened right away. Then there is another person, Solomon. This is not in the Chumash, not in the Aftoras, but I made copies from it. Just to get you an idea, it's um, everyone two pages. Just take the first two pages and give it, give it all down. King Solomon, when he inaugurated, he built the temple, the first temple in Jerusalem. When was the time, which part, time of the year was he building the temple, inaugurating the temple? Yom Kippur. They were, instead of fasting on Yom Kippur, they were eating on Yom Kippur. It was not about Yom Kippur. The only Yom Kippur they were eating, <laughs> drinking, having fun, and Hashem said it was good. He forgave them. He said it was nothing to worry about. They were a little worried. They finished me. It was a seven day party. Was for sure, you keep on Then, in number one, if you see, the, the, there is like a prayer that King Solomon is saying. Mine, uh, if you want to start to read, I'll keep on. Then Solomon said. Then right? Solomon said, the Lord said that he would dwell in the thick darkness. Did you go? Oh, it's a nice but prayer. I, but, I, but I built you a house to dwell in a settled place for you to dwell in forever. And the king turned his face about and blessed all the congregation of Israel. And all the congregation of Israel stood. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, who spoke with his mouth to David, my father, and has fulfilled it with his hands, saying, And you shall turn to your... Then he started a whole prayer. You should turn to your prayer. Yeah, it's a, it's a continuation. It's a, I skipped a little bit. You should, that anybody who comes to the temple, God should hear his prayers. You want to continue? Number 19. And you shall turn to your servant's prayer and to his supplication. And Lord my God, to hearken to the cry and to the prayer that your servant is praying before you. Skip to number 32. And also to the stranger who is not of your people Israel. Even a non-Jew will come to the temple. You should do you his prayers. Go ahead. will come from a distant land because of your great name. Your strong hand, your, your outstretched arm, and they will come and pray for this House. You shall hear from heaven, from your dwelling place, and you shall do whatever the stranger calls upon you, that all peoples of the earth may know your name, to fear you, as do your people Israel, and that they may know that your name is called upon this house which I have built. Actually, as a side note, King Solomon is praying that God should answer the prayers of the non-Jews more than the Jews. Mm -hmm. Because he said, the Jew, if you don't answer his prayer, he will forgive you. But the non-Jew will walk away and say, hey, it's a bunch of baloney, it's nothing. But therefore he says, yeah, everything they will ask you, you should answer the prayer. Or everything that they, that they ask for you. That's a nice then, we'll skip to number one. He finished the prayer. Number one. And when Solomon finished praying, and the fire descended from heaven and consumed the burnt offerings and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the house. As Solomon finished praying, the fire from heaven came down. Then the Medrash points out there are two don't worry about it, this machine. There are three people. There are three people in the Bible that they will pray to God. And right after they finish prayers, the prayers were answered right after right, right there. But let's look a little bit the difference between these three. So far is the Medrash. But now when we look at these three, 
How it's written here. When, when Solomon finished praying, and Korach, on page 747, it's written on top of the page, Moses had already finished praying, and now it's written by Eliezer. What's the words that Eliezer is using? When, when he finished praying, on page 105, number 15, back to our parsha. Number 15, what's written down? He had not yet finished speaking. He had not yet finished speaking. What's written by, by Moses and, and Solomon? What's written by Solomon? And Solomon finished praying. That isn't strange. That's not a question from the marriage. That's a question on the marriage. The marriage just point out the tree. Then there is another book. I heard it from the Rebbe. The other day I was listening to a video from Fabrenian that the Rebbe spoke. And he brings the medrash, and then he's asking this question. He says, here, three people, Eliezer, the servant of Abraham, Moses, and Solomon. Moses and Solomon, their answer, prayer were answered, when they finished praying. Eliezer, his prayer is answered before he finished prayers. His, his prayers, his, his praying. Before he finished to speak, it's already his, his prayers were answered. Who is greater, Eliezer or Moses? What do you think? You tell me. Moses, right? Sal okay, Solomon is still greater than, than Eliezer. <laughs> With all due respect to Eliezer, there is before Mount Sinai and after Mount Sinai. Moses and, 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 and Eliezer, it's after Mount, and, and Solomon is after Mount Sinai. Eliezer, a nice guy, all good and fine, it's not that Abraham's prayers were answered, it's Eliezer. Why Eliezer's prayers were answered quicker than Moses and Solomon? Maybe Moses, I can say, you know, Moses was not a good event, you know. Swallowing up people, you know, God was not in a rush. Took another minute, so what's the rush? But Solomon, a fire from heaven on the altar, that was a sign that God is in the temple. Solomon was praying to God, show that you are here. And right as he finished, the fire came down on the altar, right? And burned all the, the sacrifices. A miraculous fire. Then an altar on the fire is a good thing, right? It's the building the first temple, the inauguration of the temple, the excitement was in there. unbelievable. It took seven years to build the temple. And King Solomon, together with the temple, he had a wedding with the, he married the daughter of Pharaoh. It was Freilach there. It was very, there was a lot going on there. And but then God was waiting until he finished to pray. Eliezer, right away, was answered before he finished to pray. What do you think? Why? Because God was doing, God just did it for him. He didn't wait for him to ask. He knew what he wanted. He knew because he's a Gentile, and the problem is that he might give up a little Yeah, it's not a nice thought, I must say, based on what you just said. But any he, other? He, he doesn't find the wife for Isaac uh, and the. The next generation doesn't happen. It's a she-death. Filth she-death of the Jewish people. It was not who it is. Eliezer, or Yankul, or Zorach, or Borach. It's what the mission is. The mission was to marry off Isaac and Rebecca. And this mission is so important that even when, when, when Eliezer is saying, Oh, the girl will give me water, even if it was not the right way to approach it. God worked with it. 
before we finish, God said, just, just do it. Just do it. Let's be done. We have to get married. Because getting married a couple in Jewish tradition is more important than a fire on the altar. You know, if the fire on the altar will wait a few minutes, no. In 2,000 years, we don't have an altar. We don't have a temple. But a shidduch, a marriage of a Jewish couple for the next generation is the most important thing, especially the first marriage. And that's why, that's one of the explanations why, why the story is in such details. This story is written in the Bible twice. First of all, when it happened, then when Eliezer tells the story to Laban, they repeat the whole story. The, the marriage says, why is this written twice? I mean, you can say, and, and Eliezer told Laban everything that happened to him. Because a page later, when he came to Isaac, it says, and Eliezer told Isaac what happened to him. Do we don't repeat it a third time. But we see that often, though. Not so often. To repeat a story twice. We in see such that with, jo with Joseph and the dreams, and they repeat it multiple times. We see that Anytime. in these other verses where there's parallels and things. There is, there, every time there is multiple, there is a question right away. Because there is so many things that we learn from an extra letter, from what is not written in. Here, the whole story twice. Why? Because the, the Torah wanted to establish that the marriage of the Jewish people is a number one priority. And therefore, God was cooperating with Eliezer more than he deserved. Because it wasn't about Eliezer. It was about what he wanted to accomplish. And because he wanted to accomplish a marriage, that's why it's like that. What's the lesson even deeper to us? The lesson to us is, you know, Ani le dodi dodi li. Right? God is the husband, the Jewish people are the wife. Anyone who makes a shidduch between a Jew and God, God will answer his prayers before he finishes speaking. About the shidduch, not about everything else necessarily, but about the shidduch. If he goes the wrong way, and if he's asking that, oh, I want signs from you, and even if it was, God says, whatever you want. Just bring the Jew to God. Just make the Shidduch. Just make it happen. But it's also, first of all, this literal sense of a Jewish marriage is a very important thing. But also in a spiritual sense, is to we are matchmakers. Every one of us who brings a Jewish child, a Jewish adult, close in a group together. Anila Dodi Dodi is not about a bride in a group, it's about God and the Jewish people. And he brings them together. And that's what we can learn from this from, 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 from this lesson. Why here, by Solomon and by Moses, they were just answered when they finished to speak. And by Eliezer, it was before he finished to speak. Before he finished to say what he had to say. His prayer. We'll continue now. We are... Um, We will continue on page 107. Another important thing, it's written twice here, when he came, when Abraham sent Eliezer to take his, uh, the girl, what was his biggest thing to convince her to go? What would convince her to go? Why should she come? Why should Rebecca want to go, leave your home, leave your family, and come all the way to Israel? Let jewelry, more to be had. What? <laughs> There's more to come. 
more than that. She never met her husband, right? How old was she? Huh? How old was she? How old was she? Twelve. She was a virgin. Three, twelve. If she was three, that she was taken home to Abraham's home, she was raised there and he married her when she was twelve. Other opinions say she was twelve. She was a young girl. Why should the family want to send her? There is no picture of the, of the groom. And how old was the groom, by the way? Forty. Very good. He was Navy, but he was forty. <laughs> Usually, what makes older men, why young girls marry older men? Very good. Abraham gave Eliezer a paper, a contract. Then the moment Isaac marries Rebecca, he gets all of his estate. Now many people say, I told my son if he's marrying out of the faith, he's not getting a penny. You know what? And he's young, you are young, he doesn't think about it, you when a person will be dead and then there is for now, oh, my parents will learn to love her, she'll convert, and, uh, and, and even if they promise me, and I do what they know, that they had a fight with me, they changed their will. Now he gave him the money. He didn't wait until they, when he will die, he will get the money. He said, if he marries her, he will give her all, Abraham will give Isaac all his money. That Abraham, and Eliezer showed up with a big contract good deal with the deed that all and everybody knew that Abraham was a very rich man so everything goes through to Isaac that was, that was something to convince him but that's not the reason why Rebecca was convinced but Abraham did everything in his power to make a shidduch it's written that comes to a shidduch you don't see to wait Hashem will say that will be okay look from Abraham to approach the Yaza. he sent him all the way to, to, to Haran he gave him money, he gave him camels, he gave him goods, presents, everything. He made a big effort to find a goal for Isaac. The whole thing of 3 and 12 is not written in the text. It's all the way that the Talmud, we try to calculate in the, the numbers and the ages in the Bible from other places, that's how they come up with these numbers. But it's not written in the text how old was Rebecca. She could have been 3. Three years old mm -hmm. or twelve. Mm -hmm. She must have been awfully strong to be watering all this camels. <laughs> you know. Good part. It's it true, doesn't man. make sense. Doesn't make sense. You're right. You're right. Doesn't make sense, but you know, could be. First of all, you will agree that today kids develop much faster than fifty years ago, right? All the doctors say. That's what they're saying. And for sure, from 200 years ago, and from 500 years ago, and from 1,000 years ago. 1,000 years ago, we didn't have people told like him, I can tell you that. They didn't exist. You go to the temple in Prague, from the Maral of Prague, Alt Naishul. It's a temple that's always old. The building is 800 years old. The entrances are very low. Obviously, obviously people were very short. Then we are going wrong. That why couldn't be that in the biblical times, people were developed faster? I mean, Osses, when he's three years old, how big is he? A dog, a horse, he's an adult. Why cannot be the kids develop faster? Could very well be. And today, kids by the age of nine are much bigger than what they were 200 years ago. 
And she was a little faster. They got married right away. She was, she was, yeah, 12 by 12, by the age of 12 she got she married. Yes. Okay, we'll see what happened there. In the bottom of page 109, the last line on page 109 is supposed to read. Yeah. It says, tell me if you're ready to send Rebecca with me or not. If not, I'll go to the right or to the left. Who is the right and who is the left? Ashi says, the right are the children of Ishmael, still from the family. To the left are the children of Lot, again from the family. There's another Rashi says that Abraham told them, if not, if not from this, take from the children of Aner, Eshkel, and Mamre. We spoke about the Chavez, the three friends that he had, the three partners. But, our, but this is, but for sure not the Canaanites, that's the point. But that's what he gave them an ultimatum. You're telling me yes or no, don't drink me, don't drink me a cup. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me what you want. What's the, what's the deal? Page 111. Number 50. Laban and Bethel both spoke up. It is something from God. They said, we cannot say anything to you, bad or good. Rebecca is right here in front of you. Take her and go. Let her be a wife for your master's son, as God has spoken. Beautiful. Take her. Laban and Bethel, whatever you want, go ahead. It's from God. Such righteous people. Okay, we'll continue. But what's his belief in God at this point? Who? Bethuel and this? Yeah. And they saw the story. They saw the miracle that happened. That they said, he told them the story. He said, I told to God, he said, the God of Abraham. They were idol worshippers. But then suddenly they saw this miracle in front of their, of their eyes. They started to believe in God. They saw the money too. There were many reasons to start mm -hmm. to believe in God. Go ahead. <laughs> You know, many people have many different reasons. Go ahead, uh, number uh, 52. Uh, oh, 52. When Abraham's servant heard these words, he prostrated himself on the ground to God. The servant brought out gold and silver jewelry, as well as articles of clothing, and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave precious gifts to her brother and mother. He and his men then ate and drank, and they spent the night. Okay, first of all, a strange thing. He gave to your brother and mother. The father disappeared. Continue. When they got up in the morning, the servant said, Let me go back to my master. The girl's brother and mother replied, At least let the girl remain with us for another year or ten months. Then she can go. Oh, first of all, again, the brother and the mother. You don't hear about the father. And then what they say? That's a new story. Let us stay a little longer. Didn't they say last night? Take care and go leave. First of all, maybe that was Eliezer's problem. Take him and leave. Get up and go. Don't stay overnight in. Leave right away. Hashem helps you. Do it. Cash on it. You make some money in the stock market. Cash on it. Don't keep it another 20 years and then lose your pants. Okay, what happened? Do not delay me, said the servant. God has already shown my mission to be successful. Let me leave so that I can go to my master. Let's call the girl and ask her personally, they they summoned Rebecca and said to her, Do you want to go with this man? I will go, she replied. Okay. And what happened here? The, the father and the mother. What happened to the father? Ashi says, and the mother says it. Then they labeled me with two other no plans to let her go. They saw came out and the rich uncle from America and he has money. The plan was to poison him. To take 
they put food in front of them. They made a meal. Well, I didn't read it. They made a whole meal. And Abraham and Eliezer said, I will first do my mission before I sit down to eat. I'll first do what, I, what, I, what I'm here for. And he gave the whole speech. Meanwhile, by the speech, the, the plates, somebody moved the plates or somebody moved the chairs. Betuel end up to eat the poison that was prepared for Eliezer. Mm -hmm. And in the morning, it was only the brother and the mother. The father was done. Then that's why the story also changes. Oh, no, no, we didn't really mean you should live right away. Blind date. We are in okay. 59. Right. Right. They will let their relative Rebecca go along with her attendant, Abraham's servant, and his men. They blessed Rebecca and said to her, Our sister, grow, grow into thousands of myriads. May your descendants inherit the gate of their foes. Mm -hmm. That's. Rebecca set off with her girls, and they rode on the camels following the stranger. The servant thus took Rebecca and left. Okay, you want to continue, Mark? Isaac? Number 62. Isaac was on his way coming from Beer Lachai Beer Lachai Roy. He was then living in the Negev area. Isaac went out to meditate in the field towards evening. He raised his eyes and saw camels approaching. What what he meditate was evening? Prayers. That was Minka service. Spoke about that I think last week. Abraham established the Shachi servant, the idea to daven in the morning. It doesn't mean that Abraham said the Amida and had a repetition of the Amida. He didn't say Ashrei. But the can it doesn't mean he davened every morning. The concept for praying to God in the morning you learn from Abraham. Isaac will learn that he prayed in the afternoon. Jacob prayed at night. That's why we have three prayers a day. And, and then we have one more on Shabbos, Musaf. Who is this according to, who is this represented? Joseph. That's represented by Joseph. Musaf means an additional prayer. Yosef means an additional, an additional, she prayed for an additional time. Yosef is represented by the Musaf prayer. And he was just going out to pray, or coming from prayer. She, that when Rebecca arrived, he was going to, he was in the middle of prayers. Go ahead. Rebecca looked up and saw Isaac. She fell from the camel. He asked the servant, Who is this man coming toward us in the field? That is my master, replied the servant. Rebecca took her veil and covered herself. What do you learn from this? That you have to cover your head. The whole idea of head covering, one of the places that it's mentioned here, let's see if he brings it here in the little notes. It's written covered herself. Actually, it's not written what she covered. She covered herself. The wedding veil is traditionally to cover the, the face. The face the too. Yeah. yeah. It's it's more. It's also a, it's, a, it's almost like a statement like hovering over the bride, like like protecting him. That's what the covering the veil is. But it's the face. Yeah, it's more the it's more the face. But could be, it's not just for, for the chuppah, it could be the whole idea of covering the head. A married woman should cover her head, that's come from him. Partially at least. What, what's, what's the idea behind covering the face? Honestly. Spiritual idea. My mother knows explanation. <laughs> then it's because uh, 
the Shekhinah rests on the face of the bride during the chukah. Every time the Shekhinah rests on something, we cover, we cover it up. And for example, Moses. For example, cover the end of the coins and the bless the congregation because there is a blessing of the, the Shekhinah between the opinions. That's why we don't look at the coins. We cover ourselves in the towers. Because you're not, not, you don't, you're not allowed to look at the Shekhinah. Shekhinah means the God's presence. It's a stronger um, presence of God in the, in the room or on the face or on, between the fingers. That's why you cover this up. You why you say you cover one of the explanations, the spiritual, the Kabbalistic explanation for the keeper, is because the God's presence is over the head of the person, and we cover God's presence. We cover the head. That's why we cover the head. It's kind of where the whole concept of the halo comes from. Oh, that there is a there is like a what what they call it? Yeah, I had that there's a glowing appeal. Some people tell me I saw glowing around the face. I never saw But that's probably coming from there. Everything is coming from Judaism. But that's explanation in Kabbalah. Why we cover the head is because of this. Because it's out of respect to the Shrina. The Shrina is about, there is a verse in the book of uh, Job that says, God spoke to Job from the storm, from, a, from out, out of the storm. But the word storm in Hebrew is Seara. Seara could be written with a Samech, means a storm. With a Sin, it means her. Then one of the explanations, God spoke to him from his ear, so to speak, from, from above his head. God was hovering over his head. That's why we cover that. Because he covered up on the, on the Shekhinah, on the light of on the presence of God. That, that's one of the explanations why, why God covers your face. But it's also it's a way of it's a way of marrying her. It's like it's an expression of of uh, ownership of marrying the wife. That's one of the ways to do it. Like we do the tuba, we do the ring. That's what we do the chupa. That's one, and that's like a chupa, but in a more personal way. Okay. How old was Isaac? Thirty-seven. According to Kabbalah. Oh, what happened? Until Isaac was thirty-seven, he could not have children. He, wouldn't, he didn't even have a, a, ma a mate. He didn't even uh, mention him. Nobody was there for him. Only after the Akeda, then he deserved to, to be married and to have children. It, it was a transformation of Isaac. Aren't there multiple explanations as to how old Isaac is? Uh, sex, 26, 37, and other multiple. Really? Rashi says 37. Well, Rashi has to get that from, from the, the first verse uh, to the Parsha, because Sarah lived to be 127 years old. She had him at 90. Right. So if if she dies right after the Akeda, then he's 37. You're right. But uh, there are other explanations as to how old he is. And one says he's very young, one says he's 26, I believe, and the other says he's 37. That, it, that it was, she died before, basically. That, that her, she died later. Yeah, later. Much later, yeah. not right away. Yeah, it makes sense. But the way Abraham and Isaac speak to each other doesn't look like they with a baby. He asked them, the son. He calls him the lad. Right? Now, he's not a baby. Now he's like a teenager. He needs him. No wonder why he wants to sacrifice him. <laughs> 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 
Yeah, he's carrying uh, the stuff on his, on his back. So what did he do for three years? That's not the only reason. I think that's the only calculation sound. Yes. So what did he do for three years? Well, three years. Isaac? Yeah. After the Akira? Just to recover. <laughs> he went to the open. Is there one explanation that the slave was shame and neighbor? He went to the sh Isaac. Isaac also went to the shame of neighbor. I don't, after the Akira? I think, yeah, on the way back from the Akira, he stopped the shame of shame and neighbor for three years. That's what three years. Yeah. This is three years later, and it said when he got married, he was consoled for the loss of his mother. You're right. So I don't think it was like 20 years old. I mean, some some boys cannot get over it. <laughs> that's not that's not. You hear what you say, but it's, you can say that it took a while. Okay, let's read actually the last line before we finish, number sixty-six, because there is an important thing here. You're supposed to read. Yeah. The servant told Isaac all that had happened. Isaac uh, brought the girl into his mother Sarah's tent, and he married Rebecca. She became his wife, and he loved her. Uh, let's stop right here. She came his wife. What, what's what's interesting here? She became his wife and he loved her. Something strange about the statement? He loved her after all. Yeah, he married Oh, she became his wife and then he loved her. Obviously, there is another way too. What's love? The Torah teaches us something very important. Love is not an attraction of the first minute. Love is learning to live together and being inseparable. But the couple, the, the Rebbe once, young girl uh, was supposed to get married, entered to the Rebbe's office. The Rebbe looked, uh, had a personal interest in the family because the father was killed, was Babadra, was killed in Chicago, was in the early in the 50s and the 60s, and left a few goals, and the Rebbe won. And the mother of the girl came in for a private audience before the girl came in. And she told the Rebbe already who she met, and she goes out with this guy, and she goes like him at all. Then she came in. The Rebbe asked, um, no, what's it, Ashida? I said, yeah. I said, no, you're a little of you guys, yeah. I said, what's it, this guy? Eh, he's this. What's the other guy? Eh, he's this. What's it, this guy? The Rebbe looks at her spice and tells her, you read too many novels. And you think that life is like in the novels. I said, oh, that's that love is something that you grow with. You share a life together, and as you share the life longer and longer, the love is deepening more and more. And that's the, we learn it from right here. He married her, and he loved her. As, as, he, as he was longer, he was more in love. I asked many times, classes of people, women, women, when were you more in love? The day of your marry, wedding, or now? People didn't think. Some people said, many people said, no. And many said that they were the wedding of the wedding. I want to say, again, I could, I could know from before who is going to say what. <laughs> then it is the, and then there is one more line. Isaac that was then. Isaac was then consoled for the loss of his mother. How was he consoled? And the Talmud says, and when she came, Rebecca came, she started to light candles. Not only she light candles, when Abraham was lighting candles, the candle used to burn. When Sarah used to light candles, it burned for Friday night, miraculously until the next Friday night. After Sarah died, Abraham continued to light the candles, but it used to burn out after a few hours. When Rebecca came, the same miracle came back, that he, consoled, he found comfort after his mother because he saw that here is the girl who continues the legacy of her mother.